Hi, Lindsay. Happy Hi, Michelle. Monday. <laughs> yeah, it is Monday. Oh, God. Today has been so long already. Oh, God. Yeah, um, welcome to Kids in Berlin, Surviving as Expat Parents. I'm here. I'm surviving. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know sometimes. I'm Lindsay. I have been in Berlin for about 14 years now. And I was thinking my friendship group is mostly German-speaking people. I think you're the only person I know who is... English speaking. So interesting because my friendship group is the complete opposite. It's mostly English speaking people. I live in that bubble. Yeah, I speak English with Michelle and otherwise speak a mixture of what tries to be English yes. German. I want to know the key that you've done la, which basically is, I'm sure, being very fluent in the language. No, it was, I, I'm jealous. It was actually the, the key was I had a huge fear of speaking English in a foreign country. I was really, really ashamed to have English come out of my mouth. And so I really didn't speak at all for the first few years, or I spoke very, very little. And that's actually an interesting segue into our topic today, because we want to answer the question, how do I make friends? As an adult. As an adult. Parent. Yeah. We're not talking about our kids. Then we're going to be talking about the playgrounds and the different areas that are available to us in Berlin where we meet other parents. First, to start off with, we want to generalize our specific experience here in Berlin. <laughs> That's right. In terms of me making friends in Berlin, yeah. I have to say the playground is my jam. I okay. have made lots of friends, parent friends, on the playground. Okay, because I my generalization would be you cannot make friends on playgrounds. So I'm very surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> Tell me about your experience with playgrounds as an adult with a small child, what was that like? Well, when I first moved here, <clears throat> didn't have any friends. And I just made this promise to myself. I said, we will get out of the house as much as possible because mm -hmm. we will never make friends if we just stay at home. And sometimes in Berlin, that's tough because it is gray and drizzly and gross mm -hmm. for much of the year. But we happened to move here in July, so yeah. actually it was pretty easy to head out to the playground. And what is amazing about Berlin is they have amazing kid playgrounds. And they're all like dangerous, but in a kid-friendly way. Uh, and they all have sand on the bottom, so... Or you... like tiny rocks. <laughs> right, but it, it seems to be pretty, um, you know, safe. So my experience was bears running around, he goes up to another kid, maybe they are uh, exchanging toys or they are fighting over toys, and um, I just happened to strike up a conversation conversation with whoever was there. Now, in, I have to... In English. Yes, in English. And so I have to categorize that all the friends that I've made oh, on the playground okay. have been English speakers. Aha, that's why we have different experiences. <laughs> there you go. So okay. again, this is my ignorance is bliss uh, perspective in Berlin. Again, not knowing the language as well as Lindsay does. And for example, for my son was two years old when we moved here for his first birthday party in Berlin. The people who came were two women that I had met, one on the playground, one in the elevator at a subway stop. What? I've never met anyone. Yes, on the subway stop. I, I think people overhear you talking to your kid and then or you overhear them speaking in English, and then you say, ha ha, oh wow, so funny to, um, what brings you to Berlin? You know they're not a native, so it's an easy end to the conversation. Okay, I feel very much like a German outsider from this expat culture right now. <laughs> and that is the joke with a couple of the friends that I've made here. They do tell me I am a very good German, <laughs> and I think... 
You are. <laughs> you are. And but I, it's, it's not always in a positive sense because the American culture is seen to be much more open to to having conversations with just whoever is around. Now, it's just the way it, it yeah. happens to be in Berlin. There's so many people that speak English and really good English that it can be difficult. When I've tried to speak German, almost automatically... German people will switch to English because they can see I'm struggling. And it's only if I say, no, you have to speak to me in German, <laughs> that they will go back into German and say, okay, I can see you're trying. But it is it is difficult because, you know, it's like they're talking to a three-year-old, probably, what it sounds like uh, sometimes when yeah. I'm speaking. I'm better now. More, It's more of a seven or eight-year-old. <laughs> okay. But um, I just want to tell one story, my yeah. favorite. Well, I also met Lindsay on the playground. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, and Michelle is really, she is the only person with zero exceptions i have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old we're out of the playground age but we were on the playground literally every single day like michelle said the german idea is there is not bad weather there's bad clothing i mean we were really there every single day but the only conversations i had were with people that i already knew and that i recognized either from the neighborhood or from arkita except with michelle but tell your story. What was what story? <laughs> well, I, I loved meeting Lindsay on the playground. Somehow we started chatting in English, and then we made plans to go see a, a kitty music concert later on, and we've been friends now for six years. It's fantastic. I don't even remember that. What, what music concert did we see? It was at the library. Oh, okay. I do remember Michelle said to Bear, because my son Nat was trying to get something that Bear had, and Bear didn't want to give it, but Michelle said, come on, we're friends, we share. And... I remember thinking, I have never heard that sentence uttered on a playground here. Usually what I hear is, Willst du nicht teilen? Dann halt fest. Which means, oh, you don't want to share? Then hold on tight. <laughs> That's more the advice that I hear. And it was like this warm feeling of, wow, someone is saying something caring and open. Which I understand things in a different way now. Um, I don't mean this as German bashing. I just mean it as generalizing my specific experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very aggressive playground friend maker in the sense that whenever I meet somebody in the playground, probably if we have a pretty good 15-minute conversation, I say, hey, let me get your phone number. You get phone numbers. You go straight for the phone number. Okay. Go straight yeah. for it. And because, hey, maybe I can tell them about a concert we're going to or I, they mention something, I say, oh, I want to follow up with you on that. I'll get your phone number, and then I'll send you a WhatsApp message. Yeah. And then it goes from there. They can always choose from that point to not answer, not be interested. Yeah, but, ghosting. But it is a, a fantastic way. And, and let me just relate my other favorite playground meeting yeah. story. I was not there, actually. So in our old apartment, we lived right across from a big playground where I could see through the fence. And it was a summer day. I had been at work, but we had a babysitter, and I said, why don't you send Bear out there for part of the day so he can run around? He's old enough where he needs a little bit more independence. Mm -hmm. Let's let him get out there. And so I got home from work that day, and there was this business card on our kitchen table, and it said a name plus conductor. And I was really confused, and I said to my babysitter, hey, what is this business card? And she said, well, this guy came over because he was trying to find his son because Bear made friends with him on the playground, and they made plans to get ice cream. Oh and so they gosh. ran back home to get money so they could go get ice cream, and this guy was looking for him, and then thought 
maybe you guys can be friends. So he left his business card. Oh, wow. But that, where was he from? He's also from America. Okay, okay. That is so not my experience. That's amazing. And we're friends now. We've been really? friends Still? now for four years. We've had, I go to the birthday parties. Sometimes we get together, you know, for lunch and dinner. His wife and I become really good friends. So it's amazing. It okay. just, you know, you got to get out there. You got to network. Anyway, Lindsay, what has been your experience? Yeah, my experiences, the playgrounds made me so angry. I had so much pent up aggression. I was in a very bad place when I had young children anyway. I was just generally, I felt very, very alone, very worthless, very isolated. And I was on the playground then with my kids every single day because it was it was very difficult to stay at home because Nat always he needed a lot of a lot of input and stimulation and it was easier than to just go outside and visit different different playgrounds and I went to so many I saw an article there are over a thousand playgrounds in Berlin and then I started kind of keeping track of how many I'd been to I got up to a point of like 40 over 40 playgrounds that we weren't even going so far away to get to them any playground where it was a little bit further from our home and and I didn't know anybody there there was no contact it was very difficult to get into conversations with people because um, there's like there's there's a much stronger idea of like that's a personal question we don't really know each other. I also wasn't as open. The anger that I felt made me also not such a good person to approach, and the conversations I had were mostly um, getting angry about other people's children. What do you what do you think? piqued your anger a lot on the playground? Was it particularly just being at the playground that made you angry or your overall had just this burden of... It made me angry, just this this clash that I was feeling internally of, this is not anything that resonates with me. Like the way I'm seeing, the way people are interacting with their kids, it is not the way I grew up with and it is not what I want for my children. And it was something that I was having a hard time reflecting on. I see from this point, now that they're out of this age, I do see that there, there's a lot of value in the way the parents were interacting with their kids. But I was not in a place to reflect on that. I was in a place where I was already feeling isolated and I was already feeling really bad about a lot of things. And then to also feel like there was nothing that was happening that was really felt like, oh yeah, this is familiar. Did you ever try to, before your German was pretty good, did you ever try and initiate a conversation just in English? Or do you really feel like you were pretty silent until you felt your German was enough to interact with, with yeah. other German parents? I mean, at, at that point, like my German was already good enough to interact with other parents. I was having conversations. If we wanted to get into deeper topics about politics, that took time. But I was able to talk to them about, you know, the sleep schedule of their kids and what the diapers looked like I, you know all these conversations that <laughs> what colors yeah exactly <laughs> you know all these conversations that you have on the playground I first I did not I never talked about diaper content I want to be clear on that <laughs> but I understood it, yeah. again in my case ignorance is bliss I could not have understood those things at that point the way that kids are supposed to be so independent from such a young age for example, um, Nat was trying to go down a slide and another kid was trying to climb up at the same time. And I probably wasn't very diplomatic at this point in my life. I really don't remember. But I probably I probably said something to the kid about how, um, you know, my kid was trying to come down. 
or something. I don't know. Anyway, the parent came over to me and said, the kids need to deal with this on their own. And that's what that was one thing that I heard over and over again, that that even, you know, there were two-year-olds and Nat really wasn't speaking too much when he was two. And there was also another time on the same playground where one kid started throwing sand at Nat's face. He was just throwing handfuls of sand. And so there again, I went over and I said to the child, not, you know, to stop throwing sand at my child. And there again, the mother came over and said, um, excuse me, these children, they need to deal with it on their own. This is something they need to work through on their own. And I said, your child is two years older and throwing sand. And I think this is a time where a parent should be involved. And, you know, it was never a fight. Like, I could say that in a very self-assured way. Nobody ever yelled at me, but it was always this, like, no, the way you're doing it is wrong. And me feeling also, no, the way you're doing it is wrong. It never escalated, but it's just a crap feeling to carry around. Yeah, I I have had experiences too where I've been on the playground, I remember, and I intervened. And I probably... Do you remember what happened? I can't remember. Yeah, it's so hazy. So, yeah. It's generally yeah. this, oh, they're not giving him a turn or uh-huh. they're not, or they're throwing sand at each other or my kid wants a turn at this swing and the, somebody else's kid like sneaks in and according to me, it isn't a fair wait time or they've taken his place. And I think... I did that out of love for my son, Mm -hmm. but now that I have some years of perspective, that is a question. Did it really help him? Because he did have a lot of fear about approaching other adults, about advocating for himself in German, even introducing himself or asking for things out in public. And I think that had to do with can they understand me? I don't know the words. Oh, okay. And yeah, and so I, I think while maybe in the moment I protected him from like a big eye infection or, um, you know, the trauma. <laughs> Which of, is a pretty good thing to protect your child from. Right. I don't know if you really would look back and be like, you know, he did have a patch on his eye for three months, but at least he learned to deal with that conflict himself. You know, right. I don't think I mean, we'd be sitting here saying that. What would he learn? Just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like turn and run, turn and run. <laughs> You know, you don't want your kid doing that in every... No, I think it's exaggerated. I still think at this point, I I will go on record as saying I, I feel personally that there is an exaggerated desire for children to do things on their own. Mm, yeah, I would agree. And it is wise to step in when, when you see someone bullying your child. And I've tried, as I did that day when Bear yeah. went out to the playground himself, I tried to make him go alone and bring a new toy out there, see if he could find friends. And over time, he did initiate those friendships more himself, which was a good growth thing for him. Yeah, but it is hard, right? That when trying to find friendships, I feel like before children making friends, you didn't have this huge issue that was between yourselves. Like parenting philosophies are a huge thing to to have between two people. And it's a huge thing to have to agree on before you can even become friends. I don't think it would be possible on the playground to become friends with somebody who I see they have a completely different parenting philosophy. I mean, you can become friends in another context, see that you have a different parenting philosophy and then stay friends. But if you're meeting somebody else with kids and they are approaching parenting in a totally different way, I think it's just, even if it would have worked out in a different context between you and this other adult, it is not going to work out now. Or yeah. do, how do you see that? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's hard 
here in Berlin for your kids to stay friends if you as parents aren't also friendly. But and I mean it from the other way. Like, I think it's hard for adults to be friends if you see that the kids are... Oh, yeah. If you see that you don't think that the kids are being disciplined in a way yeah. that you would agree it's, with, it's... Yeah. yeah, I would say that's difficult. And, and the playground is a place where you can see that happen. You see and, it right away. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I would say if you just go to the playground on a Saturday where it's a big mix, you're going to have totally different sets of parents, that's different true. things. And, and so there's not that repeated sense of this is the core group that goes to the playground and we know they're going to be back there and we're going to make an effort to get to know the parents because we know those kids are going to see each other. It's not that yeah, that's, way. Yeah, that's true. It's like looking for a partner at a bar. Right, <laughs> like right. The playground is a similar kind of thing where it just like at the end you're just like, that was horrible. What was that under my feet that I stepped on? Like what were those smells? Yeah, but what it's were not those like, people? It's not like the neighborhood pub where you're going to see the same faces all the time. Yeah. It's a big city where the, the faces are going to change and the makeup of that group, especially on a weekend, is just going to be different. It's it's hard to count on the same thing every time. As opposed to when I grew up, I grew up in a, again, a suburban neighborhood. It was the same kids because we all lived there. And so we would all go out and meet. And then even if our parents didn't really like each other, mm. like they could get along enough to handle whatever friendships arose or conflicts arose. Okay. Even if there was a different parenting style, it was the closeness that made you kind of say, okay, well, we have to figure this out. In the case of my parents, we were in a very strong church community. Okay. And so nearly all of my parents' close friends were Uh part of the church. And so... Parenting styles are kind of dictated then also by the community, right? There wasn't probably too much difference between I don't remember so much at this point okay because I'm trying to think about you know when I was really young I do have memories going back as far as three years old I don't really remember too many parents coming into our lives other than through sports games we didn't belong really to a religious community we were raised Jewish but it was reformed Jewish and that meant we were only at temple twice a year and that isn't often enough to form a community out of. My brother started sports when he was maybe five, and my parents were also active with his football team. But yeah, I mean, when I, when I look back at, at my impression of, okay, what is a friendship to adults, or what, what does friendship mean in the adult world, I really didn't see anything from my parents I kind of thought oh yeah adults don't really have friends do you think they were each other's best friend and just were kind of satisfied with that or I really don't think so my dad wasn't really that often there I mean he worked a lot and they bickered a lot and I remember they um that really stressed me out as a kid. I mean, no, they definitely were not friends with each other. There were a lot of like work friends, I guess, that my dad had that he brought over. I remember anytime people came over to our house, it was it was from the context of my dad's work. And you know, the it, it was kind of like a 50s situation where my mom, the housewife, would then have like a dinner party for for the work people and it was her job to make the house look good and the kids look good and everybody's clean and fresh. Be the hostess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it was like to me it seemed like adult relationships were all kind of formal and very there was there were very clear roles that each person were supposed to play. Like I never saw adults interacting in just an authentic way with each other where they really enjoyed each other's company which I can reflect back on now. I mean, obviously when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking like, oh wow, this is an authentic. But the way, the memories that I have as a kid and, and the feelings that I had as a kid of, hmm, this doesn't really seem very warm or there doesn't seem to really be any emotion in this. It's just kind of stressful. And there are lots of rules for how we need to behave and what we're allowed to say to each other and what we are not allowed to say. Like if, if you get a gift, you know, always be thankful and show appreciation, even though it, even if it's really not something you wanted or even if somebody says something that offends you, just laugh. It says it's not really offensive. So, you know, it was a lot about like role play and strict rules to mm. me. That's what I had seen. Mm. And so coming here as as an adult in Germany, um, completely unrelated from the culture here, I realized I had a lot of work to do with myself of how, you know, what is what is a friendship now? Interesting. Yeah, you know, I saw through my parents' example that they were very, very involved in their church community. Okay. And they were also not from New York State where I grew up. So um. they didn't have that built-in kind of uh, family or friends from high school. So they were kind of outsiders? Were they seen as outsiders? Yes, definitely. Also, um, our religion was Christian, but Mormon. So mm. seen as also a little bit like, ooh, what's that? Yeah. And uh, so- Or not even that, what's that, right? Because everybody has kind of cliches about what that is. And it's probably difficult then. As soon as you say, oh, I'm Mormon, then you can see in people's faces, they already have a lot of associations, right? Which, right, they have a lot of associations yeah. like, oh, do you have two moms? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the first thing, polygamy. Yeah. But which, not like, yeah, not like gay two moms. Like, <laughs> Right, like we're your dad's second yeah, yeah, wife yeah. um yeah but that of course was like yeah. not part of this church like from 100 years ago but definitely i definitely felt um as an an outsider but also in this very strong community that my parents had built up around the church a lot of engineers were recruited in the 70s to go work at kodak and xerox which were the big companies there and so there was quite a big community of mormons that lived there and so all our holidays were with other mormon families a lot of them lived in our neighborhood so on sundays that was what we would do we also had youth group so there was a lot of connection that my parents had to other okay. parents of kids that i interacted with that way and then when i did make friends outside of the church which ended up probably being like 50 50 for me yeah my my parents were friendly with other parents maybe once i remember once or twice having like parents from outside their church community over for dinner but like on a regular basis like nearly every Sunday we'd have another family over to dinner um and sometimes I remember one family my mom was super good friends with this other woman okay. who is and and what did that mean as super good friends like a more authentic basis like could, could you see that there was a real oh they had enjoyment a, in each other's company I could see they had a very strong emotional connection oh, it was like okay. they would call each other every day wow. they planned vacations together sometimes that worked with their kids they had daughters uh -huh. and sometimes it didn't I don't think we were natural friends I think sometimes we we felt jammed together uh, okay. over time we developed strong friendships but um 
yeah, it was very much I could see my mom depended on that women's group that she found in church to really find emotional fulfillment. Oh, wow. But that's nice that you, and she actually found it. It wasn't just based on obligation and duty and trying to fulfill certain things that she felt were expected of her. She was able to really get something out of it. I think she had a life code that she felt it was her duty to serve within the church, but she Mm -hmm. also found very strong connections who are lifelong friends to her. She now goes golfing with them. She travels with them. And they're just a part of this tapestry of life that Uh, she built. Yeah, that's something I never experienced as a child, seeing that from my parents. And I think it's interesting now that I felt so much pressure to find friendships within the friends that my children had. Like, it's we. I don't know. I I feel like there was a lot of misunderstanding for me and a lot of trying to work through, like, what is this exactly? Mm. What is this friendship thing? I think what am it, I supposed to be doing? I think it just takes practice. And I, I really love how you said you did some internal work to find out what what kind of interactions do I want to have? What does friendship mean to me? Because maybe yeah. you didn't see it modeled to you. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I feel like the from the moment of having a child to now, it's been a lot of internal work and... I think that's what I've heard from other people, too. I think that's kind of a universal experience, like you start to reflect on your life a lot differently. I heard from one woman, for example, a lot of her own childhood stories that she had heard from her mom. She found them really, really funny until she had a child of her own. And then she looks at them now from a position of that was actually um, neglect. That wasn't that wasn't funny. So it's yeah, I think it's a lot of like you you have a different perspective now on what you went through. You know, for me in my childhood, it was like, okay, yeah, adults just have a lot of obligations, a lot of rules. There's not really any authenticity between people. And then to have kids and to see, okay, but I definitely need authenticity between me and my children or between my children and me and where do I get that and how do I then find it in other people I mean that was a real big question that that guided my my life and my journey the past eight years and I finally feel like I've come to a place where I can say okay yes this is how I can be an authentic person here that's saying a lot when you are plopped inside of a culture that you don't understand or yeah. or you're coming up against different instincts that you might have. So I think that's a big journey you've made. But I think it helps actually being in a different culture because it's so many different perspectives that you get together then. Um, for example, like in Germany, I saw that people are so direct here within friendships. You know, the the role of friendships that I experience here is not to validate each other and to build each other up. It's to really tell people the truth of what you feel about them. And then obviously the people who don't make you feel validated or built up, then they don't become friends. You know, you kind of gravitate away from them. But then that leads to a more a more genuine authenticity because you are being honest with the people about what you think about their choices. So, for example, um, I feel like in the U.S., try, like the friendships that I was trying to make, it was a lot of thinking about like, okay, how do I stay polite? How do I make sure this person likes me? How do I um, how do I make sure I don't offend them? How do I make sure they think that I think the same things that they do? And here it's a lot more about, okay, how like what do I really feel about this? What do I actually want to say to this person? And 
that I mean, that's what authenticity is to look into yourself and see what do I actually want to express. And I felt like the the American culture values inauthenticity often. Well, I mean, you hear that from the very simple example of Americans' tendency to say, "How are you doing? Fine. Yeah. How are you?" Yeah. And, and I've heard from Germans saying that's just such an odd thing because we just they call it American superficial. Yeah. 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 Which I don't I don't agree with completely. I think Americans value friendly interactions and small, good, positive um, moments with each other, even if it's not something that is meaningful. Like it can be positive without being meaningful. Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I, I appreciate that directness as long as there's respect behind mm. it. Okay. If I feel that person still respects me, uh, meaning they're not just doing it to feel superior, like they're yeah. saying to share an opinion or they honestly believe it is to help you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. But when it's just, you know, critical just to be critical because I'm right, I don't know, is that really helping me? So did you have any other like WTF moments uh, on the playground? Oh, I think my entire playground experience. And what about you, Michelle? Well, I can definitely... Making def friends. <laughs> I can definitely say um, it, it was a, a moment uh, where I felt quite a bit of confusion and shame. Yeah. Uh, it was at a very popular playground. And there were some kids that were friends of my son's friend who we'd seen their german family they had some big shovels and my son had another toy the way i understood it was they were going to exchange the toys after a certain amount of time i thought that had been worked out okay and so i believe that their kid ran off with my kid's toy and then the other kid had the shovel that should have been my son's turn I was like I took the shovel from the kid I'm like okay great now it's his turn with the shovel and the dad looked at me like what are you doing and he took the shovel back and he's like you know get out of it and I felt wow. really ashamed and uh. I think it it shows my probably overprotective nature not understanding at that time and I would say I was probably yeah. in the wrong um, but I, I just, it, it, it's, it was just so confusing sometimes to interpret these things when it's, it's very emotion driven. It's not really language driven, and and how to interpret. I mean, listening to you say that, it it makes it a little bit more clear to me why it's so hard to make friends on the playground because we're there so much trying to interpret what's going on with our kids. We're there representing our client, right. <laughs> and then it's kind of more of a business thing in that context of trying to work out what's going on, what do these people expect from me, why did that just happen? There's very little bandwidth left over for for making friends and approaching, which is why I'm very impressed that you've gotten so many numbers out of this. Well, again, some of our best friends that we still have in Berlin, we met in the first few months we were here. And I think that's partly because uh, our... So it was in a context of coming to a new country together. Coming to a new country together. He was in Kita, but not really finding that community in the Kita. Another good friend we have, we met in the swimming pool. I tried speaking German to this woman and she said back to me, uh, you know what, I'm American. And, you know, it was like love at first sight between our sons. Aww. They started playing around, having a great time. And I think 
That's also something to take into context is that kids often have a love connection mm. uh, right away. They just know I, I'm down with this kid. We are best friends from from first word. Yeah. And sometimes that love connection continues. Sometimes there's a fallout. And I think as parents, we um, we need to try and be watchful and conscious of that mm. and and help them navigate that. But also realize sometimes they are going to have an intense love connection because they're they're both in love this one toy or this one game they play and yeah. then uh, maybe the next couple times they get together it's not so great like yeah. you know it, it can be disappointing when you do see that happen for your child and then over time oh okay, okay. maybe this is not the one and then that fizzles out immediately then with your friendship I mean that that kind of puts a block on it then you have to first wait and see okay how are the kids getting along but right. how was it between us because actually there was a phase where our kids really liked each other and then a phase where they fizzled apart yeah I think part of that had to do with the pandemic too and it was also starting school so they yeah that's true and they were in different schools yeah and your son started school before my son left Kita that's right so I think that was I saw it as this is a natural growing apart because Mm -hmm. they're going to different schools and they're probably making closer friends in within that school group yeah that's true and that's why we were able to still stay friends because there was no fight between our kids where we had to choose sides <laughs> right oh, so sad when that happens <laughs> do you have any experience with that like have you ever had to abandon friendships because of bear i haven't had to abandon friendships okay. but i will say this that i came from a background where i had three sisters and a brother we fought all the time physical fights oh with fingernails hair pulling punching lots of rough and tumble my mom at the end of the day would say like i'm canceling family vacations if you guys can't get along and then we'd like hug each other and be like we love each other and at the same time we (laughs) hate each other and there were no lasting scars from that i'm best friends with my sisters like you mean outside or inside i i right well yeah i do have a few scars here and there but um i would say that it wasn't um we are very, very close as grown-ups. And we look back on those fights as like, ha-ha, funny. Okay. And it is different. You cannot think that when your children are friends with another friend, that physical violence in a kid's setting will be seen in the same way that it is within a family context where you're constantly having bickering or, you know, elbowing or fighting. It Mm. is something you have to... In my case, yeah, I've learned I have to put my foot down okay. because it can be interpreted very differently based on the different parenting style and experience that. So the you other- were interpreting like some of the behavior differently than the other mother was interpreting it. I thought it was like, oh, you know, let them work it out. Ah, Who knows? I did. Let the kids do it themselves. Let them work it out. But this is also a later age, right? Like when I say, when I'm against the let them work it out, it's really when they're like one, two, four Mm -hmm. years old. I think they need a lot of intervention. And then Mm -hmm. you can slowly, Mm -hmm. but now you're talking about like five, six, seven. Yeah, five, six, seven. And And between friends, I also, I do agree with the statement, Mm -hmm. let them work it out and that case (laughs) I I do but then there becomes a point where if it's not stopping if it's chronic Mm -hmm. uh, that 
the hammer needs to come down. And and what did that do with your friendship with uh, the there was some there there was definitely some a rocky period and and we had to talk it out and then the kids needed a break from each other. But then coming back together, um, I think that has been mended. But but really, it was a wake up call to me that just because I see it one way does not mean another parent will see it that way and can see it as much more threatening and unnatural than I might see it. Yeah. And you have to communicate with the other parent and and find out what boundaries are okay for their kid. And then, you know, if it isn't working, maybe take a step back, give a breather. Yeah, which is also very clarifying why why friendships can be so difficult between parents. I'm thinking back now, you know, most of the friends that I make now or most of the people I meet, because, I mean, this is another thing with, with Freundschaft, in German is something very different than friendship in in the U.S. Because in the U.S., you know, you can have work friends, you have school friends. The word friend we, we use for basically anyone we have a friendly relationship with. But here, when you say somebody is your Freund, that really is something like care about each other. We rely on each other. We have spent... Um, more time together than just, you know, a beginning spark of friendship. And I think that's also what I saw in when people were on the playgrounds, you know, it was like, yeah, we're not friends, so we don't really need to talk. (laughs) Whereas in the U.S. it's like, come on, let's have a friendly interaction here. Actually, some people just might be I want to come on this playground and stop taking care of my kid, like turn off. And I just (laughs) want to look at my phone or do my crossword. I really don't want to do chit chat with you who's struggling with your, you know, grade school German. That's not how I want to spend my time right now. You know, I I can definitely imagine that would be the case. Yeah, there's some some people. people. Yeah, I can understand that too. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, now that now that I'm not in a playground age anymore, I mean, now that the kids have grown out of that and I am able to meet people in different contexts, where we don't need to bring our kids together, it's much easier to find to find commonalities or to you know just have a good time with people because you can search the top for the topics that you want to talk about. You know when your kids are there, it's just it's really hard to talk about things other than kids when there's sand all around and people are biting each other and it smells like poo. <laughs> Right. There's there's a number of things that can interrupt the flow of conversation there. Yeah. And everybody's hungry and thirsty constantly. Well, something I found yeah. out about myself moving here is that I tend to be a very proximate friend. And I've had a conversation with a good friend of mine about that. And in, in terms of if you don't live within probably a three block radius of me, uh. it's very difficult for me to maintain a close personal we're getting together relationship Mm. even if I really like you it's just a lot of logistics I don't have a car that means at least a half it means an hour trip where whenever I go outside of that three block radius an hour to get to block number four (laughs) right and and I and I feel bad about that and it's true that my closest friends here in Berlin are those that live within three blocks of me I am within that three block radius We've moved even closer now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was. That's why we had that phase where we were a little bit moving away from each other because we were four blocks away. And now we are like, this is actually true. 
we are now really three blocks away and we were right. four blocks away. And now I actually run into Lindsay randomly more often. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And and that is that says <laughs> something about me and the efforts that I will put into friendship. And sometimes that's a sad commentary on my character, but also... I heard that it's in New something, York a lot too, though. It's something that's a reality. And, and I think now that I've talked it through with a couple friends who were hurt, um, oh, yeah. yeah, then then it's become more clear. And it's not because I don't love them and have strong feelings yeah. for them, but I just my world is so immediate and so yeah. chaotic. And there's so many logistics involved that, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> so if you want to be my friend, yeah. I can Here's give you the <laughs> Yeah, good. Okay, what about Michelle? Were there are there some people that you can think back on from the early years in making friends experience where you think like that person was horrible and I still think they're horrible and I want to out them right now as horrible. Oh, jeez. In your in your attempt at making friends. Oh, man. I mean, I have to say it it, it was that dad who the shovel dad the shovel dad, the shovel dad. it was it was shovel just, dad if you're listening it <laughs> get was, it together it was just like the total disdain and just yeah. that was a rough moment where i felt really embarrassed and dumb uh, yeah yeah okay. how about you who was the oh there's a category of worst people that i thought were horrible that there are lots of tourists in our neighborhood in berlin and they just are not happy with anybody making noise around them. That always was very frustrating because when I was with another friend or acquaintance walking around with our kids and we'd take up more space than just two people without strollers. We were two people with strollers. They just made the framework of friendship so much more difficult because you're constantly feeling like you're taking up too much space, you're too loud, you're... you're looked down on as like, oh yeah, these mothers of Kolvitzplatz and their children. There were a lot of judgmental people. I, d- I don't like that, and I still think it sucks, and I'm mad at them. You're th- you made me think of, actually, the worst person. Oh yeah, good, go for <laughs> so it. So I had taken- Hey, shovel guy, you're off the hook. You're off the hook. I take <laughs> ownership of that, my fault, shovel guy. <laughs> There, we were waiting in line for ice cream, and this is right after school. So there was a woman in front of us. My son and his friend were kind of, were on the sidewalk, kind of, you know, running after each other, making a little bit of noise, and she turned around and said harshly to them, hey, quiet down, you shouldn't be acting that way. And I really just said, they're not really bugging you. This is an ice cream line. What do you expect? (laughs) I mean, it's seriously like the entire Kita lines up at the nearest ice cream place at four o'clock every day. And if you are an adult, I do feel sorry for you if you have to wait in line behind all of those children because you deserve ice cream too. But but children children laughing is actually, it's a nice thing, people. It's nice. So there were never any connections on playgrounds, but there are other places where parents tend to meet other parents. Do you know um, the word Krabbegruppe? No, I don't. No? 
Yeah, let me guess. Were, let me guess. It means late. it means a crawl group, right? That's the literal translation. Yeah, and that's for you know it's like mommy play groups for little kids. They have like sport groups and music groups, and the teacher sets up like a parkour for the babies to crawl around, and then they like rip up paper and crawl over soft things. And I did that with Nat, and then also with Edgar later. And that was a time where you could then talk to other parents, and it was in a nicer setting because it wasn't the stress of like kids fighting over toys and you saw each other from one week to the next so there was actually more of a chance to actually get to know each other that's really cool yeah, yeah i think we should talk about the heroes <laughs> yeah uh, as well you know that we've met and yeah. and i have to say um in terms of i've had some bad interactions on the playground but i've had some amazing interactions with german people who on were incredible or Not was, exactly yeah. on the playground, but on the beach. Oh, okay. um, so my, I took my son alone to the Aussee, which is the Baltic Sea coast, mm-hmm. and we had to catch a train back to Berlin. And I had set a timer, so we had an hour to walk, I don't know, 200 meters to the train. It was more than enough time. But I had brought one of those pop-up tents from decathlon to shield us from the sun which pop up in three seconds but are like an origami puzzle to put back inside of the case follow the energy like seriously (laughs) there's no logic to it you just have to feel you have to feel it let's say i could not feel the energy and i was freaking out because we're about to miss the train and at one point it blew away and i was i had quite an audience at that point people kind of giggling and laughing um but this one young man with a shark tooth necklace Uh got up and said hey let me try and help you and he was having problems and I think this other woman nudged her husband was like come on Holger go help them and so he this guy old guy got up and the two of them it took them like 15 minutes but finally they got that back in the case for us which was amazing as much as we as I hear have you know talked about annoying things they're really wonderful people who have in obvious moments of need when they see that I am not functioning at the moment have stepped in and have helped out Yeah, but I think it's a much easier thing for somebody to step in quickly into somebody's life where they see this is a very specific thing that I can do. I step in, I step back out. I think it's much harder when it's about stepping in and staying in a context where you can actually see a friendship coming. I've seen a lot of really selfless acts of people offering help when it doesn't become a bigger thing. Mm. Yeah, I think it it comes to do with time and desire for community. I mean, imagine you've lived here your whole life and you've got a really strong community. Why would you really feel the need to open up to somebody unless your kid has, again, that love connection and they really, really want to be friends with that other kid and it involves uh, being with the other parent? Honestly, sometimes there's so much stimulation in the city yeah, sometimes I'm glad to be anonymous and mm. amongst strangers so I can just turn off. And I think it has yeah. to, there has to be a motivation inside to say, yeah, I, I really want this friendship. I want to get outside my bubble. I'm, I'm looking for something. And I think that has to be there to want to connect. I think that's an amazing point for people who are new to the city. Instead of thinking, oh, this has something to do with me, to realize, okay, I'm looking in the wrong places. I'm approaching the wrong people. That was one thing that I learned too, you know, a lot of the the people that that were approaching me and giving me their numbers, you know, other mothers, I thought it was all the ones with the boring stories. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and it was it, it took me a really long time to realize for myself, wait a second, I can also approach other people. Um, I can also have a th an idea for myself of who do I want to be friends with and not just passively sit here and wait for other people to approach me. And that was a really big moment for me when I realized that. You know, I grew up in a place where I had the same friends from the time I was five years old to 18. Wow. I did not go out and have to make new friends. Yeah. And I've lived in other cities around the world I've lived in uh, Delhi. I lived in Pakistan for a while. Um, and it was much harder for me to make friends due to cultural differences, due to logistics, not being able to go out. I did live in Qatar for a while and I made amazing friends there. Okay. But, you know, I've lived in other places where I just felt so lonely and mm. I, I couldn't find my community no matter how hard I really tried. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I made a couple really good friends in those places, but not... Here in Berlin, I feel like it was so easy for me to make other expat friends. But probably also through experience, right? I mean, it might not only have to do with the place. It could also have to do with you've had, you've gone through this, you know where to look, you know how to approach other people. It's about practice. Yeah, and I don't see rejection now as mm. so bad. You know, it Instead of thinking, why aren't these people approaching me? You can think to yourself, like, why am I not approaching them? Because that's at least a question that you have control over and you can change it. And I, I mean, I can say about myself too, I'm also, I'm also very cold and closed off. Not always, but I do have my very cold, very closed off moments where I'm just annoyed by everyone. I definitely don't take it personally when other people are not open to a friendship because I spend most of my time not really open. <laughs> Which is so funny because I don't see you that way. But. I know. <laughs> I guess I have face blindness when, no, when you're in that place. No, it's just you made it through, Michelle. That's oh, why. yes. Yes, <laughs> That's I made why it you haven't seen it. All right. With your sharing approach to toys on the playground that day. And yeah. I just think you had your baby kind of strapped onto you and <laughs> you just started talking to me and I don't know, just kismet, you know. Magic yeah. happens. Magic happens. And now look at us. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. <laughs> right. Okay, and when when this gets a little bit bigger, this is where we'll also announce some sponsors. So, you know, if you're looking to bring your product or service or place of business to a group of expats in Berlin or worldwide, then, you know, get in touch. We're also on Instagram. Well, that was really fun. Thanks, Michelle. I really enjoyed reminiscing with you about our early days in Berlin. Yeah, it was wonderful talking to you and... Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. Tschüss.